Welcome to the Running for Offices and Online Candidate podcast. In this series, we cover the tips, tricks, and ideas for local political candidates who want to leverage the internet to help win their election. I'm Shane Daly, partner of Daly Professional Web Solutions and Online Candidate. In this episode, I'm going to discuss a few online campaigning mistakes that we see all too often. If you're a regular listener to this podcast, these probably won't apply to you. So, let's begin in no particular order. Number one, limiting your online campaigning to Facebook. Everybody's on Facebook. I can just run my online campaign through my Facebook page. We've heard that idea before, but as far as online strategies go, it's not a good one. These days, social media is important for political campaigns and creating an online presence and building support. Facebook provides plenty of tools for candidates to target and promote themselves to voters, such as Facebook Live. The advertising system, when political ads are allowed, lets you target segments of users quickly and easily. However, a social networking profile is not a substitute for a real home on the web. Social media does not provide the features that a campaign website provides. For example, websites convert better for important tasks such as email signups and accepting online donations. And if that's not enough, there are a few other reasons why Facebook alone should not be the hub of your online campaign. For one, not everyone's on Facebook. Believe it or not, there are people who do not use Facebook, and there are others who refuse to use Facebook due to privacy concerns. If you operate your campaign entirely within Facebook, then you're placing your campaign behind a wall. If someone comes to your page and wants to interact, they'll need a Facebook account to do so. If it's a potential donor you've turned away, that can cost you money. If it's a potential supporter, that could cost you a vote. Speaking of donations, there's a lot of people who don't trust Facebook and certainly won't spend or donate money through the platform. And let's face it, Facebook is a pay-to-play platform. These days, a regular post may only reach 2-3% to of your followers. Because of the Facebook post algorithm, most of your fans won't see or any of your posts until after they like your page. If your campaign page has 1,000 fans or followers, perhaps 30 of them will see your update. That is, unless you pay to promote your post. In that case, your update will reach more people. Of course, if you want to reach more people the next time you post, you'll need to pay again and again and again. Mistake number two. Slate websites. We see this sometimes where several candidates running for a similar open position try to cram all their online efforts into a single website. Often this is because one or more candidates don't want to spend money on a website, or they think that piggybacking on the efforts of a group will make their efforts easier. It can be used as a hub to introduce the candidates and lead voters to related websites and other online material. Rather than three or four websites promoting a single cause, there is an efficiency in promoting a single website. It can be a focal point for advertising and online fundraising. And obviously, it costs less to build a single site than to have each candidate build their own. But, it may be difficult for voters to square a candidate's differing views on certain issues. This assumes, of course, that all the candidates have more than just a simple bio and share all the issue pages. In our experience, it's unlikely that everyone will agree entirely on a single set of issue positions. Also, if candidates are raising money separately, collecting donations through a shared site can be tricky. Does every candidate have their own fundraising page? Do donors have to give multiple times if they want to support the entire slate? And what happens when one popular candidate overshadows the other? On a practical level, it can be extremely difficult to get content or updates on the website. If every candidate requires their approval before changes to the website can be made, then nothing will get updated. That's why in either case, we recommend recruiting a web coordinator to handle updates. Finally, sharing a site limits the freedom of the candidates to each do their own thing. 
Even if one or two decide to really work their part of the website, they may end up overshadowing the other candidates who have posted less material. And keep in mind that running a slate of candidates does not mean that all or none will win. We've seen instances where half a slate is won and half did not. Similar candidates, similar positions. Particularly in local elections, success often comes down to how well a particular candidate is known or liked or disliked. My recommendation for candidates is to have your own website where you control your own messaging and donor experience. It's fine if you want to be part of a separate Slate website, but just make sure that you link out to your own site from your bio link. Mistake number three, waiting until after the primary to start online campaigning. It's funny, but we often get a higher level of campaign website orders after major primary election dates. The reason why this happens is that candidates often save their major outreach resources until the general election season. So that means the candidate's missing a website, a donation platform, and likely even a social media presence. Perhaps they knew they would win, perhaps as a single candidate. It doesn't make much sense to campaign heavily if your name's the only one on the ballot. But for the others, they were looking to see if they somehow won their primary before putting in the serious effort to win the general election. Now here's the problem with this logic. What if you don't win your primary? And what if you didn't win because you held off on serious campaigning? If you're not in the race to win it from the start, then what's the point? Studies show that campaigning significantly increases support for primary candidates and ballot measures. And while a partisan identity forms a large percentage of voters in the general elections, this doesn't help with the primary elections, as all the candidates are from the same party. So it's easy to get partisan votes in a general election, but in a primary you need to convince your own party voters why you're the best candidate to represent them. That takes effort. The awareness and momentum generated in a primary can carry over into the general election. And your online fundraising mechanism should be in place before the general election season. Weak fundraising efforts early mean that you won't have enough money to support your campaign goals later on. That means you need to start your online campaigning efforts as soon as you can. Want to raise seed money for your candidacy? You may get some relatives who will cut you a check or two, but most people will be looking to donate online. As a candidate, you'll want influence over what people see, hear, and read about you online. And to do that, you need to create a personal brand for yourself. Serious candidates start this process early. Of course, there are other pitfalls to online campaigning, but these are a few of the big ones. If you're running for local office, consider how you can leverage the web for donations and voter outreach. Thanks for listening. Make sure to visit our website at onlinecandidate.com where you'll find articles, resources, and information about our online campaign services. If you like this podcast, you might want to check out our book, Running for Office as an Online Candidate, available at onlinecandidate.com and amazon.com.